with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition, right here on Tojanet Parex Ghost Channel, Planet Paranoia, or Paranormal, and beyond. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsing, with me all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon is the most honorable head of parascience and Japanese star, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. Hey, talking about bizarre, what's been wrong with the interweb this last few hours? Why? It's all over the place here in the UK. I think the hot weather's affecting it. And uh, it's affecting our co-host tonight because where were you? Where was I where? Where, where where was you? I was here, waiting for the phone call. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was here waiting for the Skype call. So now we're all here, and our guests are here, and our chat rooms are here. Really? We have guests? Uh, we can bake them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a room full of guests here. Um, how many funny voices can you do, Ron? I can do lots of voices. There you go. We'll do it that way, then. Yeah. Anyways... Uh, yeah, I've been down uh, on the seacoast, counting seashells and doing that stuff. So that's where I've been. I just scooted in and sat here, waited breathlessly for my telephone call. So there you go. But anyway, uh, 
I wanted to talk to a couple things. Uh, we, we do not have a guest today, so uh, let me clear that up before we do. But further, oh, we have a question already, so that makes it really easy. <laughs> and that's actually for you, Mr. Parsons. It is. Um, it's, it does, st- did Steve say he built one of those germanium uh, diode receptors, presumably the Raudiva diode, and the uh-huh. answer is yes, lots of them. Um, they're actually really easy to build. The plans are uh, pretty straightforward and can be found on the on the internet. Um, so what's the history of this uh, geranium diode? Uh, geranium. geranium. Uh, the germanium diode was a development of Raudiva's work. Constantine Raudiva was one of the uh, leading pioneers of electronic voice phenomena. His, his, he picked up on it following uh, work by a Swedish researcher, Kurt Jurgensen. And uh, Raudiva was a parapsychologist from Latvia. And he got himself uh, intrigued and interested. And he started to do his own experiments. And uh, one of the ones he, he uh, worked on was trying to eliminate the possibility of normal explanations from the uh, recordings. And to do that, he worked alongside others to develop uh, an input, a diode input for a microphone, um, which replaced – it was a, a kind of radio uh, receiver, a very basic. If we think of, I don't know if the Americans uh, understand the principle of cat's whisker in crystal radio, but the Raudiva diode is not dissimilar to that. Really? Um, and so what Raudiva did is to uh, basically take a germanium diode and attach it to the microphone input of his recorders and uh, give it a go. And he claimed that the results were, were really quite impressive. So, uh, as it is literally a dollar part uh, available from Radio Shack and you know countless other places, and the plans are available, um, you know anybody that's handy with a soldering iron can uh, quite quickly knock one up. Yeah, and and you, you made some. You said so. I assume you attempted to uh, mess with them, and did you get any results? Uh, well, as I said. I'll, I'll I'll put my sceptical head on for a moment, if I may, and point okay. out that it is it is actually related to the cat's whisker in crystal. It is a form of radio receiver, although it's very very short range and very broadband. Um, so it is it, it it still leaves open the possibility that we are you are dealing with a radio signal. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, so I, I, I've built several and. Um, tried out different versions, including twin diodes, stereo diodes, um, and effectively a noise-canceling diode where one was uh, wired uh, antiphase or reversed to the other so that one would cancel out anything from the other one. And I can't, I can't hand on heart say the results have been impressive, mm-hmm. um, not as impressive as around Beaver claim. Um, my results were, uh, are still very, very open. Um, I prefer to stick to the, the, the more tried and trusted, stick a microphone in, make some white noise in the background. But that doesn't mean to say that the Raudiva, the diode method, isn't worth trying. Um, and we're going to be bringing a Raudiva diode over from the UK to the USA for SpiritQuest. Yeah. Uh, so we'll and be we able to give it. We actually have one of our own here at the same 
same time. So uh, well, I'm sending the well. As I said, I've already. If you read your emails earlier in the week, a uh, set of plans for actually Raudiva's own plans. A uh, copy of Raudiva's plans will be emailed across to you in plenty of time, uh, so that your electronic. Uh, guru can knock up a few, but we're going to be bringing one of the the UK ones over as well, so we can try them side by side. Mm-hmm. So that's a little story in that, and we will we are of course are, are developing and working on some of the old plans that we've discovered from uh, some of the early scientists and for communication devices. And we'll be, hopefully, I mean, if everything works out and they have been doing well so far, we'll have some of these available for a spirit quest to uh, mess around with. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Not only that, but uh, we're also bringing uh, or sending across to have uh, ready um, two different sets of uh, spiritual... Xenocards? Uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to use the word because one set is a set of Xenocards and the other set, of course, isn't. The Xenocard mm-hmm. was designed by... Uh, one of J.B. Rhine's from the Rhine Institute of Parapsychology, uh, a set of cards uh, that had, uh, the, the, I'm sure everybody that's seen Ghostbusters from the opening sequence will, will recognize the, the symbols of the Zener cards. Um, there are five, uh, five sets of five And, and, and that being said, and, and just uh, I'm going to interrupt for a minute, is, is we'll actually do an on-air experiment. We did this on Next Generation last week, and we'll do it again. We'll go, I'm going to draw five Zener cards and, and ask people to uh, give me a reading on it. So, uh, so go get your pencils and papers and uh, get back here, and then we'll describe the five different sides of the Zener cards, and I will draw five cards, count to five, each time, and then uh, you should make your choice. Does that sound uh, reasonable, Mr. Parson? It sounds like uh, worth a go. We could also have done it with the Zener dice. No, because, no, uh... no, no. <laughs> we, are getting ready, we are getting ready for uh, Spirit Question. I, I, one of the workshops I will be doing is, is the Zener uh, experiment class. In fact, I am reproducing uh, Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, and we will actually uh, be able to shock someone, so that's kind of cool. Um, fair enough, but we're also uh, taking or having at Spirit Quest a set of telepathic cards because the Zener cards had a flaw in them uh, that Harry Price, the British uh, psychical investigator, spotted. He mm. discovered that the original sets of the Zener cards was, were actually see-through, and it was possible. Get out of here. I'm very serious about it. He discovered that the Zener cards were see-through. Oh, I have and a bicycle it, set, and I'm, I've got it up against the window, and I can tell you that these are not um, we're, talk- we're talking about the original 1930s Zener cards. Yeah, uh, that okay. were well, made. we're talking about the new edition, so... Yeah, the new ed- I mean, they have been, they have been fixed, but mm-hmm. the original sets of Zener cards had this fatal flaw um, that they were apparently see-through. Uh, the, fo- the, the shapes, of course, the square, the wavy line, the circle, the star, and the cross. Now, Price decided to have his own made, um, and he used similar symbols. He used a, a crescent moon, a triangle... A circle, uh, an X cross, and an equal sign, two straight lines. But he also had the, the cards triple laminated with an additional layer of card in between and what was called a dazzle back uh, so that that would prevent people from reading the cards. And uh, telepathic cards were very rare. Um, in fact, I only know of two sets extensive. Really? Um, or one or two. Uh, and, 
two complete sets, one set with their instructions and the scorecards that were used by Harry Price at his uh, University of London Council for Psychical Research Laboratory, uh, is actually sitting in front of me now. Probably one of the only complete sets in the world. Really? Alongside... Uh, developed for the parapsychology department of Duke University, an original set of Zenicards. So um, side by side, they're they're quite interesting because the the telepathic cards are actually two sets of cards. You've got the symbols uh, I told you about: the crescent, the circle, the X cross, the equal sign, and the triangle. But they're also uh, a second set in in each box uh, has the symbols in block colours. Uh, the primary colours, um, plus rare, yellow and blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could also do colour testing as well. Okay, so we're going to actually do some testing now. So uh, if you've got your pencil and paper, why don't you try Mr. Parsons? You up for it? I'll give it a go. Okay, and once again, the uh, five symbols of the Zeta cards of the deck that I hold in my hand right now are the circle, the cross, the wavy line, which is three like little waves, uh, the square, and the star. So we're gonna, I'm going to draw five cards, and let's see how you do. Uh, and at the very end, we will go over the results so that you don't have to wait. You can do it right then there. So I am drawing the first card, and I flipped it over, and I am now counting one, two, three, four, five. Can you write down that symbol, please? Okay. So I am now drawing the second card. And I've turned it over, put it next to the first one, and counting. One, two, three, four, five. Can you write down that symbol, please? Okay. I am now drawing the third card and placing it next to the last one I drew. And I am counting. One, two, three, four, five. Can you write down that symbol, please? Okay. I am drawing the fourth card. Place it to the last, next to the last card I drew. And I am counting. One, two, three, four, five. Can you write down that symbol, please? And finally, I am drawing the fifth card. And... Put it next to the last card I drew, and I am counting. One, two, three, four, five. Can you write down that card, please? Okay. I now have all the cards face up. We've gone through them. Hopefully you have all written it down. So uh, I don't have anyone else to talk to, so I will talk to Steve. And Steve, what did you get for the first card? Triangle. There is no triangle in Zenicards. Well, I got a triangle. <laughs> it's a cross. Okay. <laughs> Card number two. <laughs> Would you believe if I said, honestly, another triangle? We don't have triangles in Zenicards. I can't help that. That's the that's shape I got. Okay. It is not a triangle. It is the waves. Okay. First one was the cross. Second one was the waves. Third card. Uh, a cross. Wow. At least you picked something in the Zen deck. <laughs> <laughs> it is a square. Uh, like my co-host, square. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
Finally, the fourth card. Uh, Finally, the fourth card out of five is a wavy line. Really? Another one from the Zenith deck. Very good, Steve. But it, unfortunately, the card I drew was the star. Cool. Okay, and finally, card number five. The square. Oh, very good choice. Unfortunately, it's the wrong one, to, not the one I drew. It is a circle. So let me Actually, go back. Didn't... Card number one was a cross. Card number two was a wavy line. Card number three was a square. Card number four was a star. And card number five was a zero. Or a, what is a zero. <laughs> a circle, sorry. Well, here's something interesting. There's actually um, something called anti where people score extremely statistically low, um, be- way below what they should do if they were just guessing at them. Really? Uh, because, uh, because obviously if somebody's... If, some, if what you're looking for is a higher than statistical chance mm-hmm. of... of, of a, but parapsychologists realized that actually some people were scoring way below chance. Really? Uh, and they started to call it anti but uh, this this developed into work between Ryan and a British team uh, from the Society for Psychical Research, led by a later discredited mathematician, um, who recognised that that in actual fact, over a long series of studies, uh, where people were doing repetitive card guessing mm-hmm. with with decks and or playing cards, that uh, there was actually uh, instances where people were one ahead of the main card so they were they were demonstrating precognition possibly uh so for example the card drawn um the the uh guess would be wrong but it would be correct for the next card i, I actually was going to talk to you about so that be because we by, did, we by did this experiment uh Wednesday, and my guest was uh, Marla Brooks, uh, my favorite West Coast witch, and uh, the host of Stern, the uh, Cauldron on uh, Pararex. And she did very similar. She always got the card, out of five cards, she got the card next to it four of the five times. And, well, and I say, knew that there was some type of a phenomenon that 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 was uh, that you knew about it, so I was going to ask you about it. So, So you want to just go over that one more time? Yeah, essentially, what what uh, and this was done by the Ryan Institute. Um, they they and they they collaborated with British researchers um, mm-hmm. on the results. Is that they discovered that people were actually some people were actually effectively one card ahead. Um, so they were uh, getting uh, appearing to get the cards wrong, but they were almost precognitively getting the next card correct. But also, interestingly, there are instances where, and I noticed somebody else in the in the chat room, Spooky, uh, also got them all wrong. Now, in in terms of what we've just done with five cards, uh, the fact that two of us got them totally wrong is entirely within the realms of possibility. But when you get a very long run uh, experiment where people were doing perhaps a hundred runs of twenty five cards, um, there were people who were significantly doing very badly, um, way below what would be expected from chance. Right. Um, and, and I want to mention two things. Spooky also said that the counting was distracting. Unfortunately, this is radio and I can't have dead air, so I, I had to count, unfortunately. Um, is the, is the, that, would that affect the, 
do you think? Is is that possibly the? Uh, well, no. I mean, the, the the cards the card experiments have been done for around about seventy years now, um, mm-hmm. under a lot of different conditions. Uh, from people facing each other, from people in different rooms, people even in different buildings, and and indeed separated, um, you know, in different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is that the there does seem to be what's called a decline effect in that people who score very highly, very dramatic uh, results initially, over time fade. The results fade. It's almost like um, and it's been it's been described uh, because let's be honest, card guessing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times is repetitious and, and exceptionally boring. Mm-hmm. And parapsychologists have offered forward the suggestion that that essentially the the person is bored and isn't the uh, size is starting to decrease as a result of that that lack of interactivity, that lack of interest. Um, in in the in the cards, uh, initially there were some very uh, there were some very notable results that Ryan made in the early days with some, one or two of his um, participants mm-hmm. that that over uh, you know he wrote about them, but then when he went back uh, uh, over time to retest them because they had really astounding results statistically, it had faded away. Um, it had stu- it had just you know. Uh, withered and uh, gone this ability had been lost again um, and such is the 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 nature of psi phenomena um, ghosts do you think, psychic so, phenomena do, do you think uh, and, and I would assume that you would do a, a profile of the person who was doing this uh, to go along with the results oh yeah um, although you know in some in some cases uh, not only did Ryan recruit students from from Duke University, but he also dragged in some of the some of the uh, lab staff and researchers. Who one one I think one in particular I can't remember his name off the top of my head did actually turn out to be a bit of a um, one of these sort of legendary ones who could get lots of cards mm-hmm. um, and suffered the decline effect. Um, so it, over the years, as I say, it's been done countless, countless times, and this same decline effect has been noted that whilst initially people might score very highly, um, the effect drops off quite rapidly um, as as you know, the, the experiment is repeated over and over and over. And some of Ryan's repetitions were literally tens of thousands of oh, card right. guesses. So you can imagine, I mean, it would, it would, it would drive, you know, it would drive patients to, to the saint. Exactly. Right. Um, and is that's, there, that's is there ever been say. a study where where either uh, reward or penalty has, uh, if there has been any effect on the results? Uh, yes, it has. Sort of like uh, you know what Ghostbusters did with the shark uh, thing. Uh, there have been experiments. I mean, that was based on real experiments, although I don't think they actually electrocuted people. But there have been experiments <laughs> based upon, uh, as you say. Um, a positive re- uh, reward or a, a, a negative um, response, and again, we're still you're still faced with this same uh, problem. There is the, the repeatability seems to be the issue with these psi experiments, um, and what parapsychologists really get quite excited about are statistically very small changes, but 
significant nonetheless. And they do seem to be consistent across all of the experiment. When, when they do what's called a meta-analysis, where they take the results of thousands, hundreds of different experiments conducted by lots of different researchers over a period of time, uh, you know, maybe, maybe 10, 20 years, spread around the world, they, they do notice that there is a very small but statistically significant demonstration of an ability. Um, and it, we, I think we t- touched on a similar ability last week where um, they recognize that there's an equally interesting uh, but st- and statistically small but significant ability for the mind to interact with its environment surrounding it, this idea of psychokinesis. Right. But the problem is, is when you, when you then go back to study it in the lab, because science demand, uh, demands repeatability and Randy wants, you know, absolute proof for his million-dollar prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's gone. It, it's, it's a will-o'-the-wisp phenomena that, that isn't consistent. Um, and I rather – what might be interesting is the analogy to gravity because science actually doesn't really know what gravity is. It knows what it does, and it's immeasurable. It can measure the effects of gravity, and that's why we can uh, – 45 years ago, we could put man on the moon, and we can put satellites around the, around the Earth um, uh-huh. with, you know, with absolute ease. Well, so we, we know, What do you mean we can put men on the moon? The British didn't put any men on the moon. The Americans did. I, you I think you'll find there was an awful lot of Brits and Europeans in that space program. But nonetheless, uh-huh. but, non- uh-huh. but nonetheless – um, humans can put a man on the moon because gravity does repeatable things. So it is, let, let's just describe it as uh, an unknown force acting on known bodies. So therefore, it can be it can be studied and measured. Yeah, in a I mean, isn't fashion. that? I mean, there are <coughs> many, actually, many cases in, in science oh. where we cannot actually physically see or uh, the 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 whatever we're studying, but we can know it's there because of the effect. Basically, a lot of the uh, stars that we see, uh, we can tell about them according to the gravitational pulls and this and that and that. Even though we can't see them, we believe they're there because of the results that they cause. Well, kind of, yeah. Um, it's because a star is a known object. Uh, a spacecraft is a, is a known body and you have this force acting on it in a predictable way. But let's just take this analogy one step further. If psi is a force um, that, rather like gravity, is not understood, but unfortunately for psi, it acts on a, a variable body. So a human being and an animal is not a spacecraft. We, do th- we have our own... Uh, you know, everybody's different, everybody responds differently. Therefore, the effects of this unknown force would be entirely variable. Well, from we have it, to from... hold that, Doc, because we have to take a break. Ha ha. And I know that because I got a message, even though I can't see the break. <laughs> I, know I know it's there. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick, right here on Tojanet, Pararex. Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, TuneIn, iTunes, wherever. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give awards to the Parrax family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. Uh, be still my beating heart because it's part two of Ghost Chronicles International. With me, New England's very own Not Van Helsing. And you're listening to us hopefully live, or you might be listening to the podcast on iTunes or TuneIn or something else. Or something else. Because before the break, we were talking about unknown things and unknown forces. Uh, the idea that gravity isn't really well understood, but it operates against known objects like planets and spacecraft, whereas Psi, that mysterious force 
that might or might not exist is acting upon variable bodies like humans and is therefore not working in a predictable way. <laughs> yes, I am, Karina. Somebody just said in the chat room, I am a mess. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we, yeah, we were anyway, asked, I, I we were asked before you, the break. Yeah, hang on a second. Um, hang on, hang on. Okay, fix okay. your phone. Because yeah, before the break, we were asked if we can do any more experiments. I heard that, I heard that. So anyways, uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, we mentioned SpurQuest a couple of times in the first half. Uh, SpurQuest is a, uh, a special, uh, it's SpurQuest Genesis this year. It is a three-day event, although you can come in the, uh, you know, for one day, you don't have to come the whole three days. And it's uh, workshops and presentations and uh, events like a steampunk ghost hunt, uh, red light seance. Karaoke. Steve Parsons will be joining us from the UK as long with Steve uh, Scott. So he's a Scottish medium. So you can get tickets at anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And if you get a weekend pass before the end of the month, you save yourself 80 buckaroos. So there you go. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, actually, do you know, you haven't interrupted my uh, bring back into part two for ages. I'd forgotten you used to do that so often. Yeah, on my so, wife, the first time I got these cards, by the way, I, I did a five-card draw on my wife, and she got four out of five. Oof, that was there, you, there you go. So I always said Jan had, well, she has to have saintly powers to put it with you, but mm-hmm. Carry on. let's... Let's have a go of this experiment. So, right, now, what I'd like everybody to do in the chat room, um, rather than them just just type in whatever you think, because I'm sitting in front of my computer. Um, so I'm trying to give you the, the idea of uh, visualizing something. Okay? What so are we I'm doing, sitting, a remote, remote viewing? Or? Uh, yep, it's going to be a remote view. Well, let me finish. Shut up. Because well, you the just last carry time, on. You, know, you, you just count go, it. Go. You, you count it. to the point. You it count, takes you forever. It's like pulling teeth. It's called setting the picture so the experiment works instead of uh, counting all the way through the experiment. Carry on, carry on. Right, carry so on. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm sitting in front of the computer screen, and in my right hand, I'm holding a, an object. The object doesn't weigh very much, and I'm now holding it directly in front of me, and I'm going to look at it. I can feel the weight of it in my hand. Try to concentrate put yourself into my position i'm looking down at the object held in my open right hand and i'm looking at the shape of it and i'm feeling the shape of it and the weight of it and i'm examining the object and i'm considering the object i'm looking at the detail And when people get an image of what I'm holding, start writing into the chat room. And we'll give it another 30 seconds. And then we'll go to ask Ron, because he, yes, I do take things forever, because I keep getting interrupted by an American. Um... Okay, Ron, that's the 30 seconds. So what am I holding in my right hand? Oh, I was supposed to do this? Well, you did it to me with the cards. Yeah, I do that to everyone. I'm a, I'm a facilitator. I'm not a... a, a well, no, facilitate an answer then. And tell facilitate, me okay. It is a... Uh, 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 it's a brick of cheese. 
Okay. No, that was that was <laughs> that was the most haunted episode. Oh, no, uh, Anybody? Well, I don't want to give it away because nobody's actually written in the chat room yet. So uh, we'll come back to the actual answer shortly. Okay. Um. So I, I mean, what... you have this object. You still have it. Uh, no, I've put it down now because the experiment is now ended. It's right. It's right there in front of you. Uh yes. Okay. So if you can see this object, uh, our listeners, can you visualize it on? Is it your desk, Steve? Uh, it's it's on the it's on top of the printer actually at the moment. It, it's on a printer. Uh, so so it's sitting on a printer. So uh, can you? Uh, can you tell me the shape of it, if you can't well, see the object? If... No, I can't. Okay. Can you tell me the color of it, if no. you can't really see the object? No. And, and furthermore, can you tell me what it's made of? What's it's, not 20 of it? qu- it's not 20 questions. It's a remote viewing experiment. And then, of uh, course, <laughs> tell me what the... Well, you, you understand. I'll tell you what the object is. Yeah, so you can tell me what the other. So, anyways, you, you understand in remote viewing that sometimes uh, your answers are actually cryptic. Uh, you you get only pieces of the object in remote viewing, and sometimes that is translated into a different thing than the actual object itself. Do you know that? Well, exactly that. Um, so what I'm looking for are responses in the chat room from, from the people in the chat room that are suggestive of the object or indicative of the object's shape or its material or its use or its form. Um, I, I guess actually that our producer got one right because when I put down the object, I did actually pick up a pen momentarily. So uh, she said pen or pencil. Really? Yeah. Okay. And Spooky's come up with uh, a response. Oh, and wow! She gets somebody called things. Van Helsink has come up with a response, which is wrong. No, 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 no. You missed the whole thing. you got to follow the thing. I am following the thing. Yeah, and paper, it, yeah, paper, scissors, rock, rock. scissors, paper, clip it, really, no. Paper, no. scissors, but, rock, but, paper, scissors, but, rock. Oh, yeah, you finished? I am, most finished. Good. Good, because I'd like to congratulate Spooky because I was, in fact, holding a figure, a figurine, a little oh. figurine about four inches high. Okay, the, the, the little ones from the T are about two inches. No, maybe an inch tall, excuse me. Well, maybe I was holding it further away. Um, yeah, maybe that was it was because uh, <laughs> of the cur- curvature of the earth. Possibly, but let's let's give Spooky due. She she got a little figurine. Um, I'm not going to okay. go into more detail because I will reveal actually what it was a little uh, in, uh, towards the end of the show. Yeah, well, you have to do that because uh, people listen oh, on yeah, iTunes. Oh, that's right, right, you know, the world. Okay, that's but, that's just the part two experiment. So if you you've already said it's a figurine, why don't you just tell her what it is? And since well, there might you've already destroyed there the might experiment, still, there might still be people guessing. Really? There might but be. they already know it's a figurine. No, but they don't know what it's of. It could be a figurine Obama. of lots of things. It's a figurine of Obama. <laughs> Obama head doll. Uh, uh, I can't say anything. Um, uh-huh. Because it's, it's not that. 
It's not that. It's not Derek Acora. And it's not a picture of Richard Felix. It's a figurine. Oh, damn, that was my next guess. Boy, you are psychic. I'm always psychic. Well, not psychic. I'm just one step ahead of you. Psychic. So what else, are we, um, what else are we getting up to whilst I'm over there? Oh. Because it's yeah, not just uh, Spirit Quest, is it? There are other adventures to be had. Right, right. We'll be doing, uh, you'll be doing, uh, we'll be doing the Ghostology special from uh, Circles of Wisdom, which is kind of cool. Yeah, ghostology is, as it says, pretty much as it says on the tin, it's a study of ghosts, apparitions, and haunted buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a multiple, it's a multifaceted uh, day course. Uh, right. Or in the case, of, uh, the case of the US version of it, it's split over two nights. And uh, it covers everything from the very first initial contact with the location and with the witnesses right through to the end results and the analysis. And it's not just designed for, um, you know, it, anybody can dip into the course because there's something there for uh, veteran investigators and there's something there for people who just want to be investigators. And there are people uh, who just want to get a little bit more um, information to help them watch the TV shows. No, oh, that's good. That's actually good. And spooky. And, and I, I will actually be providing a uh, a real ghost in a jar so that we have it to experiment with. Cool. And there's also some quite comprehensive course notes for people to take away. So um, it saves all that writing on the day. But the day, the day or the, 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 uh, the evening, I should say, is interactive. So it's not just sitting there and being droned at. Um, it, it is fully participating. And uh, they, we run it over here in the UK, and it's a lot of fun. It can be uh, entertaining and funny. And just to clarify in the chat room, Spooky... I do make lots of references to Ghostbusters, but it wasn't Venkman or a Stay Puft. Oh, I like Stay Puft. Um, I have. Well, as a Ghostbuster, you see, I, I have a, a loathing of Stay Puft. Mm. I just want to cross the streams and burn it. Mm. Yeah, well, that's why I like it, for he makes great s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but also, aren't you dragging me up a lighthouse for a night? Uh, yes, that's right. I forgot about that one. That was, uh, yeah, I believe that is, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, September 27th, uh, it is an investigation of Fort Constellation and Fort, I mean, Port Constitution and the Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse on the, uh, uh, Coast Guard base there, which is very difficult to get on to at night. And this will be a, a five-hour investigation, and you'll have access to the lighthouse, the fort, and perhaps even the keeper's house, which is extremely rare. And some pretty cool gadgets, if I know you. Mm. So you can uh, get tickets for that at our website, which is com. the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. But it's interesting, in, in this is a little bit off your trip a little bit, but um, Maureen and I have started writing again uh, for Ghost Chronicles 2, and it's really interesting because we're looking back at some of our cases that uh, we've done in the past, and God, there are so many of them. We just, we're amazed every time we think, oh, there's another one, there's like another one. But some of them are really, really interesting, and, and they so vary from... Uh, you know, case to case, they're they're very 
so different. Uh, so uh, do you find out when when you were investigating at Parascience that that the cases varied in in feel and in uh, results and uh, uh, the whole thing? I don't know what Parascience does tell you the truth. So uh, is, 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 have you found that? <laughs> um. You're uh, absolutely. Um, there are no two cases that are identical. Um, there are very few that are, the se- are that are similar, and that's why it's important uh, that Parascience has developed a series of protocols and methodologies because uh, that amount of variability uh, leads to elements of uh, discontinuity and a difficult uh, difficulty in controlling things so what well, in order to make our results substantive and in order to make the results meaningful we have to approach uh, every location regardless of the, the their variability uh, using a standard set of uh, methods now they are uh, flexible but they have the root core and we 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 First of all, we we get get as much information as we possibly can from all sources, and that might be initially from the witnesses, that might be in the form of uh, external research at archives and other and other sources. It looks for corroborative evidence from previous witnesses and previous people who've had experiences. Um, it then takes in a team of investigators who are very badly briefed in terms of what's uh, been reported and what takes place. So whilst they, they they know that they're on an investigation, they don't know very much about the investigation. And we, get, we then uh, compare the, the, the data, the information that we've got from all of those sources. And we also do it over a period of time because what we're looking for, you can imagine people have an experience, but we have to try and be there at the right time and at the right place. Um, and so what we like to try and do is to maximize that opportunity by using diaries, by using the accounts that we've got in order to try and focus in the right, to be there at the right time, um, and hopefully encounter the same phenomena that people have reported following that, of course, then we will have, um, something to measure, hopefully. And we go back to last week's show where we were talking about if something is able to manifest, if something is, if a ghost is an external uh, entity um, and not a manifestation of our own psychology, then it should be using energy in some form and that form should be measurable. And so then we would do measurements in order to try and validate the experience um, to see if what people are experiencing is a reality or to see whether there are other possibilities, perhaps within the environment, uh, perhaps within the psychology of the individual. And so we do also do forms of psychological testing, uh, both on the team itself and also on the witnesses. Hmm. So Trying I mean, to bring order to chaos. I know, but do you find it difficult in, in, in that, as you mentioned, each case is different, so... Uh, it, does your protocols, you know, take in for var- variables that that you know things could happen differently than? Or uh, I mean, for instance, if you call for something and uh, you call for you know sitting in a room for an hour, and all of a sudden you have a bleeping ghost going down the corridor, 
are you able to leave your room and go chase it? Yeah, we have we have uh, protocols in place for for dealing with the 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 bizarre, the unpredictable. We have to have because we are dealing with the bizarre and the uh, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have a a series of fallback foundation standards that that have to be adhered to because without that, you, you, your results you do risk them uh, becoming diluted, possibly meaningless. Um, you know, many is a group that would go out and they will do maybe a session of calling out and maybe some table tipping, maybe some EVP. And you watch them. I've been on these sort of investigations where after they've done that the first time, there's a kind of standing around going, well, what do we do now, guys? Uh, What's next? Oh, I know. Let's go and get the thermal imaging camera or let's go and talk to the K2 meter. Uh, because because they don't have that standard protocol that we that we have developed, um, and it's not just us. I mean, other other organisations um, use use standard methods too. I mean, it applies equally to science. Um, science uses standard methodologies in order to explore the unknown. Um, right, and I, that's that's what we use. And, and right, I mean, we do it a little differently. And, and one of the things you and I talked about is is that uh, we would love here in the U.S. to do an investigation under the auspice of parascience, under parascience protocols with the New England Ghost Project, and just so that we can experience what you guys are doing and, and learn from it. Uh, and, and likewise, because um, you you have different teams have to evolve slightly different methods because the dynamics of the team and the individuals within the team is different. So, and we go back to just briefly touch on ghostology. Ghostology is not a you do as I say because that wouldn't work. What works for parascience may not work for New England Ghost Project or any other team because you have different individuals in your team and that you have to find a way based upon those foundation blocks to uh, satisfy the needs and the dynamics of your own individual team. Um, Parascience has evolved over, it's our 21st birthday this year, but we're still evolving and you know, we're, we're not averse to nicking a good idea, stealing a good idea. <laughs> Sound um, like Richard and, Felix. Well, if we see, yeah, <laughs> if we see something that, that's you know, an improvement upon um, something, we, we, we are not the universal font of all knowledge. Um, we are exploring the unknown and we are constantly evolving methods and techniques comparing them to other methods and techniques and see you know developing because just to simply see something on television to put a k2 on the floor and to ask for a spirit and then get no results but then repeat it forever go back to the Zeni cards before eventually there is a decline effect you know people just get bored of table tipping and K2s. Right. And in the paranormal world, they then go on to demons and exorcisms and, mm-hmm. and, you know, but they're evolving the spirit. They're not evolving the technique, you know. So what the K2 doesn't work, what can we do next? How can we, how can we test this idea that spirits can actually interact with an object, you know, lights on, a, on an object anyway? Or how can we test the idea that they can imprint their voices onto a recorder or a radio? You know, that gives us greater understanding, and that's how you develop the experiment. Yeah, we're getting really good voices on our ghost box, but where are they coming from? Because most people concentrate on what are they saying, 
And the first question has to be not what they're saying, but where is the, how is it getting onto the damn recorder? Um, because, you know, you've got to answer that regardless of what the voice is saying, because if it's, if it's saying, you know, deliver a pizza to 1177 Jones Street, Texas. <laughs> you almost came close. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I came close enough to worry you. <laughs> then, then you know, clearly it's a taxi or, or a pizza boy. But um, what you need to know is how is it getting onto the recorder right. rather than what it's saying? Because so many people sit for hours. Um, in fact, this week I put onto Facebook uh, something I found, uh, somebody sent me, um, instructions on how to improve the chances of getting an EVP. Oh, really? And this is a, they, they play it onto their, they record it on, um, download it onto their computer, mm-hmm. and then they turn the volume up by 1,000%. Oh, good. Um, Correct their And then they conclude, uh, there's several more lines of things to do with it. But then they conclude with, and if that doesn't work, uh, play it backwards. There you go. In other words, fiddle around with this sound until clip you get what you want. Until you get what you want. Now, rather than fiddling about with the sound clip, and this is what people do, they they get these recordings from from their investigations, and they rush home and they put it onto onto the computer. They get Audacity out or one of their other compro, uh, computer programs, and they tinker with it until it makes sense. And then they tell the mates what it says, and then they all agree, and they put it on 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 YouTube or Facebook. It's interesting, and I, and I give Jim Stonier, our EVP specialist, uh, the credit. He he doesn't like to manipulate it at all. A lot of people do that. I mean, sometimes you do bring up the volume. Sometimes you will get out, uh, depending on the environment, uh, the background noise of a certain kind too. But as far as that, uh, you know, he doesn't really fit around with it too much, which is. I, I, and, I prefer. And, yeah, good to hear because he is he is the exception rather than the norm. But after just to come back to the to the original point, you know, they they're more interested in what it's saying. They're not giving any real thoughts how it got there because there there is the automatic assumption that it must be paranormal. So they've already excluded all of the other possibilities, all of the normal possibilities. It couldn't be a radio because it's not a radio. It could easily be a radio. Um, you know, people have, people have picked up radio on quite, quite simple circuitry. Radio can break through into quite unusual places. There have been instances where radio has got into... Well, let me uh, ask you this, Stephen. Do you remember, I don't know if you're old enough, but I remember, you know, when I was a kid and we had... Rabbit ear tele, uh, for the television, for the telly, that we would uh, a lot of times just hold on to the, the rabbit ears to improve mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, they're, they're, I'll put yep. tinfoil. I mean, they're different things yep. that we, it's, yeah, you know. And if the antenna on your car radio breaks, of course, just sticking your finger over the. Uh a stub on the roof will improve the signal no end. Because every human being is also a big wet aerial. Um, as is all of the wiring, all of the metalwork, all of the structure of a building um, is all acting as an antenna. And one of the things that I, I did hear the pizza bell, but one of the yep. things that we did discover by measuring the frequency of, re- of EMF signals is that in actual fact uh, distant radio transmitters, uh, particularly in, here in the UK of the BBC World Service, which is about 200, 250 miles from where I am, mm-hmm. is powerful enough to 
essentially the building, uh, the wiring the, within the building was acting as an antenna, picking it up and rebroadcasting it. Mm-hmm. Um, a resonator antenna, it's called, and it's well known within you know radio amateurs would use would right. understand the technique. And so, what you're dealing with isn't isn't the paranormal; it's the BBC. Right, and, and you know, interesting. We look at that, uh, but it is no, there's no, um, you know, we don't know. Maybe the spirit world needs some type of antenna too. But, anyways, but if we look at Ghost Hunters, I mean, Ghostbusters, the original movie, the the building uh, that the uh, the occurrences took it was basically an antenna. That's that's exactly right. Um, and there are, you know, we're surrounded by electronic broadcasts. Um, you know, the entire frequency band is um, full. But do you want to, speaking of full, do you want to give out the full web address so that people can get lots of tickets for Spirit Quest and the other adventures in September? Well, you do that, before I do that, uh, all right, it's neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. What the heck was that thing you were holding? What kind of figurine? And for, well, it was the, the next and final thing. It was a figure of the uh, Christ on the cross, without the cross. It was really? a bronze figurine, uh, three and a half inches high, made of, as I say, made of bronze. Um, it had detached from its original wooden crucifix, and it's around about three hundred and fifty years old. Oh wow, that's very uh, old. So, anyways, we gotta go. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in today and uh, taking the Zenner test and the Astro Viewing, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all at uh, Spirit Quest this September 19th to the 21st at uh, VZ in Groveland, Massachusetts. Get your tickets now, com. Good night, God bless. There you go. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.